tēnā koutou katoa, nau mai ki te kōna e pūrangi nei atu tāne, pai ki te kōrero atu anō ki a koutou tēnei rā. Ko tēnei kaupeka tuarua, wāhanga tuarua. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Becoming Tāne podcast. It's good to talk to you again. This is Season 2, Episode 2. This is a podcast where guys can share their stories and it is through the sharing of these stories we may be able to learn new lessons on how to become great guys. Every guy can be great, but it takes work. It takes some honesty. It takes some good support to help get guys there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about it. In this episode, we'll be talking to Jep Savali. Before I talk to him, let me tell you a little bit about him to give you some context for the corridor we're about to hear. Jep was born in Wellington and comes from a blended family where he had two older sisters and then five brothers. Jep is the oldest of the five brothers and he has the chief title of Whamuina. Jep went to St. Pat's College in the city and then he attended Auckland University where he studied a postgrad in Māori business development. Growing up, Jep had a variety of jobs. Often he would be identified that he had some leadership skills and would be given leadership opportunities within the businesses. However, in the last 15 years, he has specialised in major events and theatre. Jep and his partner Tanya have been together for 15 years. They have a blended whānau and together they have five children and eight grandchildren. Talofa Jep. Thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Street Talk, what does leadership mean to me? Leadership is kind of standing up and um, helping others when they need it. And not necessarily when you need it, it's helping others to be the best they can be. What a true leader will do, not for themselves, but just to help others, really. Uh, Leadership means to me... It's one of those opportunities there where you can sort of lead people, hopefully in a right way, that everyone succeed uh, within the team. To me, leadership means leading from the front, being a positive role model, being a beacon of light for people to look up to when the chips are down, someone that people go to when they need guidance out of the dark, someone people come to when they're lost. Leadership to me is, so leading with purpose and intent, first off, um, and then doing things through action, um, leading by example, and even being present and being seen from people is, is huge in my eyes. Leadership is a quality that comes quite naturally for some members. Uh, others need to work hard to develop it. It is a quality that a good leader is, is, a, is a person who leads from the front. They lead with passion. They lead with 
wisdom, they lead with love. Uh, a leader is lead, leadership is, is something that people won't want to listen to, pay attention to, and, and follow. You've heard their answers. Now, what does leadership mean to you? appreciate you being here with me for the Becoming Tiny podcast. The first question that I want to ask of you there, Jeff, is what two major events have had a big impact or has had an impact on your life so far? I think one of them will be the death of my father just recently. Uh, the last He died about three years ago, but it's had a major impact, not the death, but it recalled all of my upbringing and my relationship with my father and the way that him and I interacted over my childhood and growing up in my household. Um, we were in a traditional Samoan whānau. We, it was a very strict um, household and my father and I didn't get on well at all. Upon his passing, though, that really impacted me in the way that this patriarch of our whānau had now passed and had been sick for a number of years, but the eventuality of death came and hit all of our whānau, but it hit me in the way that I wasn't sad. I was pleased that he was out of his suffering, but it kind of brought about a recollection of my life and growing up with my dad and the way that I was treated um, with my father and it impacted me hugely, both in a positive sense and in a negative sense. Positive in the sense that um, I am the person that I am because of my parents. My whakaro and everything that I am and think and do is because of the way that they brought me up. But also, as an individual growing up in that uh, household, I... I have a strength, an inner strength within me because of the way that I was treated in that house. There was a lot of physical violence that happened in our house and, and it was, a lot of it was directed towards me as the eldest male child that should be setting a better example in our household. And that uh, impacted me in a negative sense. So I think that that one event itself when he passed the realisation of who I am today came to fruition at that moment when he passed. And I think the one of the major things that's impacted my life, uh, secondly, has been the passing of my uh, daughter in 1997. And that impacted me on, in a huge way because with my partner at the time, I was trying to, we were trying to forge a life I'd already lived a life and my life was very interesting and very, um, how should we put it, um, colourful. But here was I setting myself on a path to make things better and make things right for myself and my future family. Our first uh, child together uh, had passed away two days after she was born due to an illness. So that impacted on me hugely um, because of the grief and the loss, the sense of loss felt. Um, this, the loss of um, first birthdays, the loss of first days at school, um, and then moving forward into um, 21st and etc. Um, so I sensed that 
deep sense of loss immediately uh, when she passed. And then not more than 11 months later, um, her mother, she suffered a massive stroke, was wheelchair bound for the rest of her life. And um, I looked after her for a number of years, almost 13 years as her primary caregiver. So those things, I know they don't sound too happy and I'm sorry, bro, um, but they impacted me profoundly because I still feel what happened to me in my upbringing um, like it happened yesterday and the passing of my father. I see that very vividly now as if it was yesterday. And then the passing of my daughter and then her mother subsequently uh, becoming paralyzed through that stroke as if that all happened yesterday. So in terms of your relationship with your father, you mentioned that you, you didn't get along too well. Did that change at all as you grew older? Absolutely, but only very much, you know, like later in my adult life. So in my late teens to early 20s, him and I grew apart. My relationship with him was terrible. Um, I suffered a lot under my father's hand. There was lots of physical and verbal abuse in my, in my household centered towards my family, but in particular me. And I couldn't, I couldn't live there under that household anymore. So I left and I, I took off from our, our house and I went to forge my own way. And I wanted to get out from underneath that because if I didn't, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today. So in forging my own way, I made a lot of mistakes. As I mentioned, my life was colorful. Did a lot of things to um, try and survive me and um, what the world had to offer and made a lot of mistakes. In the passing of my daughter some years later, that was, that was gut-wrenching because I'd, I'd gone through that journey of trying to understand who I was in the world after leaving home and finally found out that this is what I want to do and I want to raise a family, I want to be a really good family man and understand that my wife and I had forged this path and we uh, planned this pathway and then all of a sudden it was taken away from us. That absolutely devastated myself. It devastated my wife, obviously, at the time. And we went through all of the normal uh, processes of grief and collectively we thought we would be coming out of that. And in August of the following year, 1998, she suffered a stroke as a result of a blood clot which had occurred when she gave birth to our daughter the year prior. So all of that compounded into this whole sense of grief, but at the same time, when you're dealing with someone who, who's suffering physically um, and then eventually psychologically and mentally through what she had gone through, you have no time to deal with it yourself. You have to do what needs to be done in that moment and in that time. There were some moments there, I mentioned that I recall them as if they were yesterday. There were moments in that period that are a blur to me because of the speed and the pace that you had to make decisions with. And those were life-changing decisions. They weren't just, oh, what, what clothes shall I wear today? These are life-changing decisions and life-impacting. And they were impacting right at that moment. So those, uh, those things are the things that I find very, very difficult to talk about because I live them as if it was something that happened just yesterday. So when you were in the midst of 
especially when your, your daughter died and your partner at the time had her stroke, how did you cope with the stress or the pain or your sadness? What did you do to deal with that? When I could find time for myself, I took myself away from the situation. And in the, when we were, we were living in Taranaki at the time, and we were based at Taranaki Base Hospital for a number of weeks. I took myself away and there was a chapel in that, in that hospital and it was beautiful. And no one went there, which I found interesting. And um, not only was it quiet, uh, but it offered a sense of um, isolation from the craziness that was outside that door. Um, as soon as you entered into that chapel, there was this peace. And I've, I managed to find uh, quite a lot of peace in that space. And um, I remember the sun gleaming through the, the stained glass windows there um, and just sitting in the sun, trying to contemplate what was going on and try to understand what was going on and understanding what my next steps would be and what my life would look like in the coming years. But I found a lot of solace in that place. And um, my upbringing, um, as I mentioned earlier, was a traditional upbringing and my parents took me to church and it was a Catholic church and I stood on that faith as well. And I questioned a lot about what my faith really meant to me and and I questioned my belief in that faith and questioned myself in that space. So I spent a lot of time asking questions. Did that belief or that faith that you had, did that help you deal with the situation at the time of losing your, your daughter? Or did they provide any answers for you? I'm not sure about the, um, the answers, but what it did do was solidify my belief that and, and in that moment, you can understand how big it was that I had to stand on something that was bigger than me and bigger than anybody that could tangibly offer me. And that was God. And for me, I think standing on that did help. Having a sense of talking to a spiritual being really helped. And as, so having that ability to connect to Atua and to God was really, really vital. And I didn't hear a whole lot of answers coming back, but physically when I walked out of that space, I felt always felt a whole lot better. I was tired when I walked into that space, but I felt a little bit better, a little, a little less tired walking out of that space. And I spent seven weeks in Taranaki Base Hospital trying to understand, and, tr and the doctors trying to understand what had happened to my wife at the time, and they couldn't nail it down to anything and how it happened. And so in those seven weeks, I spent a lot of time in that chapel when I could get away and when, it was, when I was physically able to withdraw from the craziness of real life. Let me introduce you to my friend Nikura. Kia ora, my name is Nikura, uh, Nikura Pini. I come from a little town in the Hauraki called Kitapehi. was raised in Paido and currently living in Mount Monganui. I've got uh, four beautiful children and a beautiful wife that I adore. Nikura, could you tell me about the Kaitiaki project that you set up? 
Our vision and intention for the Kaitiaki project is to empower our people to reach their true higher self. In order of doing so, us as a collective here at the Kaitiaki project was created to equip our people with the adequate tools to keep them in balance in their everyday life and in our communities. We ensure by creating a safe space, it will give people invitation to start, the, start peeling back the layers and start their healing journey within themselves, encouraging our people to create leaders for the betterment of our people of Aotearoa. During the time of COVID-19, we came together as a ropu and created this kaupapa and really go deep within ourselves as to why we are doing this mahi and we practice this mahi every day and it's very um, important to us that we um, practice what we preach. Nikura, what changes have you seen in yourself? A few changes, a lot of self-awareness, a lot of empowerment. Um, I've been engaging with a lot of people that two years ago you wouldn't have seen me engage with those people. It's opened me up to a lot of different healing and the reason that I feel that um, a lot of our tāne should be coming on to our hikoi because if we don't start now, when are we going to start? We, we have all these titles on our heads, the provider, the father, the husband. When are we actually going to provide a safe environment for our whānau? So I encourage all of our tāne around the whole of Aotearoa to jump on these kaupapa and just be uncomfortable in it because that's where we find true growth has been in uncomfortable situations. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, our website's just coming out, but it's um, at the Kaitiaki Project and you will see a lot of um, our facilitators, a lot of our key facilitators, our leaders on that page. At the Kaitiaki Project, we just want you to experience that good medicine. We call this the medicine is engaging and seeing every other man in that space vulnerable and opening up. Because when in your life do you actually get that safe space to be vulnerable without being judged, without being criticised, and just being who you truly are. Welcome back to the Becoming Tanya podcast. Jep, in this section, I'd like to talk to you about your superpower. So my definition of what a superpower is, is those skills, attributes, or abilities that make you, you. That is your secret source. It is what people know you to be or to be about and how they remember you. So Jep, what do you think is your superpower? I don't know about remembering. People would rather forget me than remember me, bro. But <laughs> look, after the stuff that I've been through in my life, and um, I've mentioned a couple of them already, uh, I think I have this real strength and resilience. People say, you know, they talk about agile management and fluidity. And, you know, I, I think, you know, as Māori Pacifica, we're born with that anyway. And I think for us, our life, only emboldens that you know it really just does consolidate that and then the things that i've been through in particular i think yeah i think i've i've come i've become this real i have this real strong inner strength and self-belief that no matter what 
I am going to get through this. In my recent years um, working in the corporate world, man, I've really lent on that because it's a very different beast working in a corporate world um, as opposed to, I guess, not. But within my own self, I know I have a very strong resilience and a really strong inner strength. Any others that you can think of? Um, family. You know, um, we touched on it earlier, the, the things that we, the nuggets of knowledge that we would like to pass on in the, uh, to our children and the way that we would do things differently from our upbringing, our own upbringing. Uh, for me, looking at now our grandchildren um, and how they're growing up and the world within their growing up, I, I think I'm an old fella, so I'm not going to be around for too much longer. So if I can influence their lives, then uh, and if I can be as much a part of their lives as they are a part of mine, both physically and over, I guess, what is now uh, our internet communications, then I'm, I'm going to do everything. I'm there for them and for our kids and for my mother and for our parents. And family's a really big thing. It hasn't been in the past, but now it's so much as now. Let me share with you what Tanya uh, gave me in terms of your superpower. This is what she said. She said, Jeb is kind, loving and thoughtful. In his industry, it's called a calm demeanour. However, he's had some tough times and he's had to be resilient and work through some issues to land where he is today. It's been a journey. Second one, she said, is Fana first loves being Samoan and part of the Samoan community. And number three, um, Jeff is a service leader, giving of himself. He is loved by his blended whanau and his staff adore and respect him. He often mentors men just to support their growth and development. What do you think of that? Well, uh, hey, Um, if anyone's going to know you best, it's your wife, right? And um, I think I just try and give a good assertion of myself wherever I am. And as I've gotten older, I've understood that more and more. My father used to say to me, whenever you leave the doors of your house or this house, um, you take with you your name wherever you go and whatever you do, think and say. You know, I've, I've understood that more and more as I've gotten older and I've seen the development of our children um, who are all successful uh, people in their own right and their children. So I think for me as well, being Samoan and being taught the things that I grew up with as a traditional Samoan, speaking uh, the language within our our house and being a part of a really strong Samoan community um, that worked together as one um, really did also add value to my life and who I am today as well. So, hey, man. I think that's cool. I think my wife, uh, my wife and I have hit it on the nail. I think you have, because you know when you're the first thing you mentioned as your superpower. You talked about resilience. You talked about yeah. inner strength and self belief. The first thing that she brought up in her assessment of your superpower in there, uh, she talked about resilience as well. So well done. And um, the second point that you broke, uh, you both brought up was about Fano, Fano first. Um, and I think that's brilliant in the sense that, you know, what you think of yourself and how you act and behave is also how people see yourself and especially your wife. 
because uh, that can be challenging at times to to live and act according to what you believe that you know is right. And has that been a challenge at all for you to, to live your truth, so to speak? Yeah, because I, I think growing up, um, when I left home and um, tried to forge my way, I, I had no idea who I was except I was trying to escape the things that I knew were detrimental to me. And doing that, there were lots of experiences and things that um, came my way. and. I made some good judgments and I'm, I certainly made a whole lot of poor judgments along the way. And I think as I've gotten older, I've understood the consequences of some of those judgments and some of those decisions earlier in my life. And I've really hard to be true to the things that I was taught and be true to the things that really matter the most. Because when everything is stripped away and taken away from you, what are the things that are going to remain true? You know, certainly yourself as an individual and understanding and knowing who you are is really important. As a Samoan man with a faith, um, a Catholic faith in God and a belief in God and, and a family man that loves his family and understands the value of his relationships within that family unit, within your own aina, then I think those things are the most important and the most tangible things that when we look to when the chips aren't going the way you want them to fall, those things are the things that you can rely on the most. And throughout my experiences anyway, whether it's in a, um, a personal social environment, um, a personal environment or a work environment, the things that I can rely on the most are my family, uh, my wife and our children, my siblings, my mum, they're all very, very important. They rely, and they rely on me equally. Um, they look to me to try and lead them through, and I look to them to them to try and help me to lead through. So it's a it's an interesting dynamic, but it's one that I absolutely love and adore, and and know really well the full weight of that as I've gotten older. Hey, you mentioned a couple of times in terms of trying to find yourself, trying to find who you were. How did you come to find out who you were as a person? Oh, man, lots of stumbling and lots of um, falling over on my face and making really bad choices and understanding that the consequences of those choices mean that you're going to go down a certain path. And as as young men, we kind of think that that's who we're, we are. I mean, I, I was a fighter um, and... I was really good at it. I've been in a lot of situations that have required me to use the skill sets that I had. And it teaches you a lot about the situations that you shouldn't be in uh, to try and get yourself out of that. But also it teaches you as well that, uh, you know, the consequences of some of those actions actually don't lead to things that are productive anyway. The things that I've just espoused to the the family unit, the, the togetherness, the relationship. So, and I was pretty, I was emulating also some of the things that my father had shown to me, and I was working that out. And I had a lot of anger, man, a lot of anger, and um, I was working that out the best way I knew how, and the only way I knew how. Going through all of that though, and understanding that to pick yourself up from such a heap when you fall down and fall over like that often, and you're left with one 
possible avenue to get out of it, or you continue down that same street and whatever happens is whatever happens. I made the decision not to. I made the decision, the really clear decision in my mind, and this was uh, some years ago, and I was standing in court in the dock, pleading not guilty for yet another assault and another charge of violent, a violent charge. And the judge said to me, you know, like I can impose a, a term, I should impose a term of imprisonment. And all I saw was sitting there was my brother and my father looking at me and looking at their faces and seeing them so disappointed in me again. And that was when I made a decision um, at that time to not go down that path anymore. Now, it wasn't a clean break, but it certainly was a decision. It was a crossroad. And it was one that when I came down from that dock, I swore I would never get back in there because if I was going in that dock again, I was certainly going away for a while anyway, and that was going to be my life. And I decided to not uh, chase that. And in that, I had tried in my own mind to make some decisions about my own mahi and the, the type of work that I would be doing. And I would try anything and everything to establish a professional career. And with that has come where I am now, many, many, many years down the track as a, I guess, one of this country's um, leading event theatre and entertainment specialists. Um, and I've had, I've had to work at that. And my wife's really right. Uh, she's very right in the sense that there have been some journeys. Because when I'm sitting at those tables and I'm, I'm scratching my head and trying to understand what the hell they're saying to me, the first reaction for me is to want to is to want to not do the way, do the things that they want me to do them and I want to do them the way that I want to do them. I've had to learn to compromise and I've had to learn to also stand up on my own two feet and say, actually, no, this is the way it's going to go and I believe in what I can do and what I can deliver and what I have done and so it's going to happen this way. And with that, I've, I've learned a lot um, about my own self-belief. reminding you about our t-shirts that are now for sale you can go to our website which is www.becomingtane.men and on our merchandise tab is where you can access our t-shirts that are now for sale now last week i told you about a couple of t-shirts that we're selling on there i've got a couple more t-shirts that i'd like to um, highlight for you this week the t-shirts that i'm highlighting is our growing great guys t-shirt we have that t-shirt in black white and gray and then the other t-shirt that i like to highlight this week is our g3 t-shirt so that is our g3 t-shirt which is just the three g's for growing great guys and that t-shirt is also in black white and gray there are a number of sizes you can get so please uh, purchase a t-shirt to support uh, me developing content for the Becoming Tane podcast and for other content that we're looking to uh, 
uh, share with everyone uh, this year. So thank you for support. Once again, go out and buy your t-shirt, Growing Great Guys t-shirt and our G3 t-shirt. Kia ora. Podcast, Jeff, in this section, I uh, want to get some key bits of advice from you if possible. So, the very first question um, that I want to ask of you here What lessons have life taught you so far? Geez, I think um, the one thing is, I think for me in my life anyway, when you get knockbacks knock and setbacks, and they will come, no matter how big or small. Try and stand up on the values that you know and understand of yourself and reach within that part of you that you know you have that is able to sustain and stand you through that time. Uh, that takes a lot of soul searching, a lot of inner, inner strength to pull out from within you. But if you can do that, then you can pick yourself up. And I know it's easier said than done to be able to have the ability to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and uh, just say to yourself, you know what, okay, that hurt. And be really honest about that, that hurt. That was dumb. I made a stupid mistake then, all right. And dust yourself off physically and, and, and figuratively, brush yourself off and take the first step towards making a really good choice. If you would like the listeners to take one lesson away from your corridor today, what would that be? Understand resilience and the positive impact that that can have in your life. We know that life's hard, life's tough. If I can give one thing is understand your resilience and and utilise that support network. I have a wonderful support network and my wife and Tanya's an amazing woman, and if I didn't have that beside me, then I'd only be a half, if that makes any sense. And uh, I spoke to a really good friend of mine uh, just recently who had lost his wife, and she was really young. She's 51 and just lost his wife after six kids and almost 30-odd years of being together. And uh, he said to me, you know what, Jeb, it's like uh, I only have half of me. I don't have the other half, and it's weird, and it's... It's horrible, but at the same time, um, I don't feel complete. So in that sense, I've got a wonderful uh, wahine and uh, my wife, Tanya, and um, and, and utilise that support network so, so much so that you're able to get the support network. And, and often that's our those that are closest to us, our wives, our husbands, our mums, our dads, our siblings, our brothers and sisters. Use it, use it all. Thanks for that advice. Um, the very last question that I have is about what it means to become a man. And I, I ask this question because the name of the podcast is called Becoming Tani. We named it after Tani because Tani is the Māori translation for man, male, or husband. But it also um, named after Tani Mahuta, one of our atua. And Tani Mahuta, along with his siblings, were responsible for splitting a ringi and papa and they split them for because of their desire to learn and grow. But I think as men, it's important for us to also 
have a desire to learn and grow. So hence the question, well, what does it mean to become a man? So what is your opinion on this question? That's awesome, man. That's a really good question. Uh, for me, what it means to become a man is not what I used to think it was. As I said, growing up, I thought becoming a man was knocking down everything that stood in my path and forging my way and standing up. I'm a big guy, so I'm six foot three and I'm really skilled with my hands in, in the sense that I could fight my way out of anything. But now that I've, I've learnt life's lessons, as a 53-year-old with eight more blended whānau and a wonderful whānau support system, I know now that becoming a man means being really transparent with your whānau about some of the things that, and lessons that you've learnt, trying to help them and then trying to understand them better to, so, so as to better equip with them and then talk with them and being a loving husband to your wife um, and support her as much as she supports you. Um, and knowing that that family support system is the most important thing that you could ever stand on to help you through some of the tough times. Um, thanks, Jep. Really, really appreciate your calling all this afternoon. Tēnā rawa atu koutou i tūhono mai tēnei rā, kei te tūmanako au i aku koutou i etahi mea mai i pūraku a Jep. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you learned something uh, from Jep's story. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to today. You can listen and download the Becoming Tane podcast from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and iHeartRadio. If you want to contact us, you can contact us via email. I've got a new email now. It is becomingtane at gmail.com. Our handle on Facebook and Instagram is at becomingtane. Our website is www.becomingtane.men. That is www.becomingtane.men. Again, I would like to acknowledge the following people for their contribution to this episode. Jep for sharing your story. Kano Sadler for creating the music for the podcast. Aaron and Merrick Moike for your tech wizardry. Last but not least, my wife and kids for your patience with me. Hey, Atera Wiki, until next week. Haere tu atu, hoki tu mai. Go well and return in good health. Mauriura.